What's up, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Backmarkers F1 Show. Glad to have everybody along as we're all back from our summer break, back once again, once together again. And uh, this is uh, kind of a bittersweet episode, as we were kind of talking about uh, before we got on the air. Of course, we were really happy that Formula One was back and the long layoff back at Spa at the Belgian Grand Prix. But obviously, there was the terrible and tragic events that happened on the Saturday during the F2 race. Uh, as Antoine Hubert, the 22-year-old Frenchman, passed away from what was a really terrible accident uh, on the top of uh, Eau Rouge and Radion. So, you know, we're going to do the entire recap. We, we just wanted to start off the show by talking a little bit about Antoine as he was really an, an amazing young man. And, and we're going to get into all the other race events afterwards. But it, it, I think we speak for everybody to say that this race was kind of really hard to enjoy after Saturday. Yeah, it was. Uh it was a race of, you know, kind of any single incident, you're always kind of on the edge of your seat making sure, you know, the drivers are okay. We saw Giovinazzi at the end have a, a pretty hard shunt, and he, he, immediately the first thought that runs through your head is, you know, oh, no, like, let's not have this happen again. Um, but, no, as you said, Chris, just such an unfortunate crash. I mean, if you break it down, just just the, the way he gets, you know, kind of slingshotted off the wall into the middle of the track and you know, nowhere for the other cars to go. It's just, you know, it's, it's one of those ones that, you know, could have been prevented. We will never know that we will know maybe when the, the release comes out of the investigation, but um, it, it's a, 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 a tragic racing uh, incident for kind of everyone around the racing scene. And uh, you saw support roll in from, all around the racing world, rally cross, the World Endurance Challenge, even in North America with IndyCar, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe NASCAR did uh, something as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 if something like this happens, uh, it affects the entire community, and you you saw everyone come together as one big family to to help support the family and friends of Antoine and uh, bring him through this tragic time, and we can only. Send our our prayers and condolences to his family and everyone affected because uh, it's the last thing anyone wants to see a, a race fan is is a tragic like that. Yeah, it just goes to show you that no matter what uh, you know, what you plan in terms of safety, accidents happen. And yeah, that's why uh, racers are being being paid the big bucks and they're putting their life on the line every single day. It's it's very hard. It's a very hard and tragic reminder. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's no matter how safe you make it, I don't think we'll ever be able to eliminate events like this, unfortunately. I, I could be wrong, and hopefully we are hopefully, wrong. Yeah, um, hopefully. But until they go VR. <laughs> well, until, yeah, until they just take the driver out completely, right? Yeah. But we we thought that since the Halo came in, obviously, that this was so f- so safe, so foolproof, right? And this was just such a huge shock because, especially in F2, right? I yeah. mean... I don't even know if there was ever a death in the the lower formulas. It's always been Formula One, and the most recent one being Jules Bianchi. And since then, so many more safety improvements have been made that every time we see these big accidents, like I was remembering uh, Marcus Erickson's accident last year at uh, Monza. I mean, that's a massive crash, and he just walks away like nothing happened, and he's back in the car tomorrow. And so Charles Leclerc last year too, as well, right? He had a pretty big crash. Yeah, at as this well. very track, right, with uh, with Fernando Alonso flying over the top. So we see these accidents, and we think that these guys are, you know, uh, not going to get hurt ever. But that's just not the truth, and and it's still very, very dangerous. Like Lewis Hamilton said, I think that anybody who thinks that 
any type of racing is safe is completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're traveling at 200, 230 miles per hour, yeah, these things can happen. So I'm not sure what the whole cause of the accident was. We, we don't have a lot of footage to go by for obvious reasons. Um, I'm, I'm sure you guys saw the initial accident on the, on the live feed, but afterwards, you know, seeing the carnage, you didn't really want to see any more after that. No. So I watched it. I was like, sick to my stomach. I watched it once of like the five or ten second clip, and I watched it one more time. I'm like, no, yeah, that's quite enough. Like it's it's brutal as soon as you look at it. Yeah, so. it made me sick to my sick to my stomach. And I mean, we also have to think of Juan Mael Correa as well. Yes, through yes, this. yes, I mean, sure. what he's going through physically, mentally, uh, fractured both legs, a spinal injury, I believe he had as well, um, and obviously you know the the mental aspect of being in that crash uh, i'm sure is you know if not more painful than his physical injuries uh, i would believe uh, and we have to think for him to have a, a speedy recovery as well because he's another fantastic driver from the right. united states um that can really you know make it to f1 one day and uh we hope that his recovery goes well from this accident and uh you know he he can come back and and race once again at, at full power. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you. The mental part of it is a big one as well because, you know, they might be all competitors, but they're also all friends, you know. Yeah. There's only a certain amount of racing out there, so they and all know each other fairly well. And I think that's important. It's also important that it wasn't his fault. Oh, I for mean, sure. No. We obviously don't know the whole details, but we're just assuming just from the footage that we've seen that it was the second impact that was yeah. most likely the, the fatal cause there. But these things happen in, in, in racing and you can't blame just one person, especially in a situation like this. So very important that we all keep Juan Manuel Correa in our thoughts. And like I said, hopefully he'll be able to recover from this mentally. I think physically it seems like he'll be okay. It might be a long road ahead. He's just been moved to an ICU in the United Kingdom just today. So he's not going to be coming home just yet to the United States. So they're still taking uh, really close care of him, which is good. But uh, yeah, we'll see how he recovers. I mean, We've seen similar accidents when Alex Zanardi got hit by Alex Tagliani and, and lost both his legs. And thankfully, Alex Zanardi was, was you know, okay after that, even mm-hmm. though he, he was a double amputee. But when you look at what he went on to achieve in, in, in his life afterwards, it was pretty remarkable. Well, just recently in IndyCar, I mean, Robert Wickens, yeah. uh, the Canadian who was paralyzed last year um, in a scary incident in Pocono. Uh, and, you know, he's still recovering from his spinal cord injury and starting to to really get better now and you know it's just you, you see this happen uh almost it seems like every year now and it's uh very scary scenes uh to be watching this knowing that you know it could be uh it could be tragedy go right around the corner and you, you know you don't know it yeah i mean i'm curious to see what the whole cause of death was and why the accident happened because i think it's important to understand how safety will progress forward yeah and that's exactly it it's it's to how much how how much better can we get at at implementing safety i mean is there a better way to to angle that 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 wall so that a car doesn't get slingshot into the middle of track is there a better material that's used rather than tires to to help that slingshot effect Mm -hmm. Uh, you know maybe Mm -hmm. something that's a little more uh, cushiony to to help you know, keep that car as far away from the racing line as possible. Those are things that I think it really is what FIA and in racing in general will have to think about. This happened in NASCAR when Dale Earnhardt uh, Sr. crashed into the concrete wall head first and uh, unfortunately passed away. Due. From that crash at Daytona, they implemented a, a safer barrier, which in sense is an aluminum 
wall with styrofoam uh, in the middle between that and the concrete wall that uh, creates a, a, a nice buffer and you can see it flexes when the car hits it and absorbs a lot of the impact and that was a huge safety innovation and saves, has saved countless lives in NASCAR I'm sure. Yeah, uh, for sure. So something like that with the wall you could always have uh, safety implementations and we'll see what happens. Uh, it wasn't too long ago we had Kevin Magnuson have a scary crash there. Yeah, yeah. similar. Yeah, that was a massive impact. Um, yeah. and, and he was alright. That car of course stayed against the wall so um I mean, Something one, to look at, Spa. I mean, another driver you can look at is Kubica. You know, five yeah. years ago, big crash, and he made it back for this year. So a lot of drivers have him to look uh, uh, look up to in terms of, you know, coming back from a bad accident to this year. You know, yeah. sure, he's driving for Williams, but he's he's back, he's driving, and he's happy. He's doing what he can. So Yeah, I think it's psychologically is the, the biggest injury, if, if we could yeah. even yeah, call it for that, sure. right? Because um, – you know, I'm sure that he, he's going to feel some sort of guilt, even though he shouldn't. But that's just, I think, sure. what's naturally going to come to to his mind. But I'm also interested in terms of what they're going to look at at the F2 monocoques, because are they strong enough to be able to withstand? The the first initial impact was probably strong enough to withstand something like that. But a T-bone in that situation, maybe we need to look at making the monocoque stronger. Would an F1 car you know, would we have different circumstances if it was an F1 car? Right. These are things that we don't know, and that the FIA is going to do a long investigation to to see what it is. Like you said, maybe they need to make a bigger runoff there at Radion or put uh, gravel, something like that, because obviously the incident happened off racing line. Mm-hmm. And But that's a tough corner, right, because it's blind coming up the hill, so yeah. you don't have much time to react. I mean, that's what makes it challenging as well, yeah. um, and that's what drivers love about it is it's one of the more, you know, one of the best corners to go up and up during the year. And uh, again, I think there's nothing wrong with the corner. I think it's just uh, maybe just try to implement a, a better system, a better crash system on the wall because crashes are going to happen at that, at that corner. It's, it's one of the hardest corners in racing. Um, it's just how they implement it. Yeah. And a lot of respect goes to the F1 drivers as yeah. well that came out the next day and, they had the pre-race sort of uh, minute of silence and, and Antoine Hubert's mom and, their, and his his brother were there as well and all the drivers paid their respects to him. But then also just to somehow get yourself into that space where you can get in a car and drive past the exact same place where 24 hours later a colleague of yours just lost his life doing the very same thing, yeah. I think is something that we'll probably never understand and yeah. I, I don't understand how they do it and how they did it. And this is kind of like our modern day when Senna passed away this was yeah. Yeah. somewhat similar circumstances where there was a death on saturday and then they had to come and race sunday and unfortunately yeah. it ended up even worse then but just massive hats off to every single one of the drivers and we talk all the time and we sometimes joke at some drivers expenses about them crashing or them not doing so well but i think it's important for everybody to understand that all those 20 drivers are incredibly talented and the guts and the bravery that they show to get yeah. in a car like that is just absolutely amazing yeah. so we have Absolutely. a lot of respect for every single driver, and even though sometimes we maybe don't show it or you don't think so, that's that's not the case, and especially more so after this weekend. So yeah, for that sure. was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, yeah, I, I think Charles said it best at the end. You know, doesn't feel great, but I'll take he he took what he could from it. So yeah, I hope he can enjoy it one day. You know, a couple years down the road, it's not his going to be his last win. That's for sure. No. Yeah. And hopefully he'll be able to enjoy his next win uh, a little bit better, but. Yeah, we're going to touch on Charles Leclerc kind of at the end of the show to, to wrap it all together. But, um, yeah, he's he's quite the uh, young man uh, himself. Yeah, he is. 
Um, so yeah, we'll, well, let's get into recapping the race. Obviously, like we said, it wasn't very enjoyable after all the events. You just kind of were hoping that the race would be over. I think, yeah. you know, Daniel Ricardo said that too. He was just happy that it all ended and everybody was everybody okay. Everybody was safe. You know, no one got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And we can move on to the next one, but, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a decent solid race. I think there was a lot of action, a lot of great hard racing, which was a, a nice tribute, I think, to Antoine Hubert, who was very similar in the way he raced and it was fair. Uh, obviously, we had some lap one incidents, and I'm curious to see what you guys think. The lap one incident between Max Verstappen and Kimi Raikkonen, obviously it ruined uh, Verstappen and Raikkonen's race, but uh, wh what did you think? Who do you think was at fault uh, in that situation? Well, I think the stewards have it right as a racing incident. Yeah. Um, but personally, I don't think Verstappen should have shot for that gap. I, mean, I, I agree. It yeah, wasn't I was there. The same I, thing. I don't know where Raikkonen's supposed to go there. Yeah. He yeah. has a car that's outside, and he has to make a corner. So. I mean, yeah, Max kind of went last second into that into yeah. that corner to try to make the turn happen. And he almost have another, had another launch this year with, with Raikkonen going over. I mean, he was close. close. He, he caught that car in mid it well, on two wheels to, to keep it onto – on all, on all four wheels in the well, end, then, but it yeah. almost went over. Um, Ricardo almost too. He, that's he true. got a little bit bumped by I think yeah. uh, Perez, right? Perez, Perez or, Stroll? or Stroll? I think it was Stroll. He was farther yeah. back. Yeah. I think Magnussen had the best view of all the uh, all the incidents in in, uh, in the first turn there. Oh, Lando Norris had the best line of all of it. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. From it 11th, opened up. Oh yeah, yeah. that's true. Eleventh eh? to fifth, just on that inside line. Nice thing. How are you? See you <laughs> later. Um, I think they're calling him the Salmon or something like that. Or I don't know, he has a Salmon as his nickname right now. He's, he's probably got race. a lot of nicknames. He's got a lot of uh, things going online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. Well, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree, Tyler. You know, it, there's yeah. it, it's a racing incident, but I agree. I think Max took it a little bit too, uh, not recklessly, but a little bit. I don't think he thought through his turn when he went into it. Yeah, I think it's one of those where you don't win the race on lap one, you know, yeah. and you just lose maybe. It. Uh, yeah. It toned back a little bit there. I, I think he Set was it up for just trying to secure the spot that he wanted to be yeah. in for the rest of this race. For and like sure. you said, it's it's the first lap. You kinda wanna and it's prove where you are. It's it's spa. The first yeah. lap at spa, the first corner at spa is always a tough one. Yeah. There's gonna be contact somewhere. And there yeah. was a second incident with Max and Kimmy, like Oh my god. Oh, that, was, that was scary. That was yeah. dangerous yeah. as well. Very yeah. dangerous. He clipped him, just clipped him, but the damn but he was going fast enough to to hit him over there. In, but. in the words of K Kimmy Raikkonen, the same fucking guy hit me. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching that on board right before we went on, but yeah. Um I don't think so. Kimmy, I think that one was you, but all right. <laughs> Well, I agree with you both. I think that Max was trying to make up for another poor start. Yeah. Which Red Bull has really got to figure that out because they've been There's struggling I mean, like crazy. But Alex Albon had a good start. Yeah. He didn't, didn't have a bad. Yeah, right? but like. Well, signs stalled in front of him. Well, that's true. Great reaction, by the way, by Albon. Yeah. But I'm not sure, really. Maybe. But it's different with, with each car, right? The, yeah. the clutch settings and the clutch bite points and everything. But yeah. that's like what? The. And the last five races, probably five a third six, kind of yeah. bogged down start like that. And then, yeah, he just tried to send it on the inside. But I would agree. I think that Max saw Kimmy, but Kimmy didn't see Max. Yeah, so. you can't turn that if you're breaking there and looking at the cars around you and yeah. you're not expecting this Red Bull to come up your side when my, there's no no room. My question is, Kimmy didn't know who hit him at first. But then the second time he said he was hit, he said the same car hit him again. Well, I think Max was the only car behind him. <laughs> You probably saw the Red Bull livery, yeah. I guess, but <laughs> I, I don't think like I've never really heard Kimmy 
talk to or like refer to drivers like in yeah. a team radio scenario like he'll just say oh it was this guy or yeah it was this car or the yeah, force that's india true. hit that's me a good or something point. that's yeah. a good point yeah. get that mclaren out of my way <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so and it ruined raikkonen's race because he had a lot of floor damage and yeah. if, if you guys saw the best of team radio he was coming i think it was the safety car lap he was coming around yeah, and yeah. he was almost at the bus stop chicane yeah. and he's talking with his engineer there's damage they were they're gonna have to box and he's like so my, he's almost at the chicane already. He's like, am I going to box this lap? And then his engineer's like, yeah, yeah, come in this lap. He's like, fuck, man, stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I need to know. I'm at the pit e- entry right yeah. now. Like, let me know. So uh, he had a great qualifying, though. Oh, he did. You know, despite the floor damage, he overall had a pretty good race. Kept himself in did, as much did as what he could. could. Yeah. yeah. So, um, World champion. And, and just on Max, too, obviously very disappointing for the dutch fans <laughs> who purchased this hat <laughs> nice hat um but yeah I, I was surprised that max carried on into eau rouge with essentially no steering i don't know how it, yeah, i was that was ballsy that yeah. was very ballsy i you saw the replay and it, he I was had like a, man th- your car like i could see your wheel shaking yeah yeah. Going. yeah it was pretty brutal but yeah i mean he uh he sent he sent it that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, he sure did. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It didn't look like that big of a collision in the end. No. He, like, gracefully, w- like, went yeah. to the wall. Yeah, well, I think he tried to decelerate, I guess, as much as he yeah. could. But, um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a big impact. It initially, it looked like it, but on the replay, it wasn't wasn't so yeah. bad. But, yeah, unfortunate for Max. But, you know, that's his uh, first retirement in the last 21 races. So First non-points finish in over a year. <laughs> yeah, which is an amazing stat, right? Yeah. And yeah. Listen, I mean. S- excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um. You know, these things I think are going to happen, and eventually that massive, that ex- amazing run of form was going to end somewhere, whether yeah. it was his own fault or another driver hitting him out. So um, it's just disappointing it happened in Belgium. It has, he hasn't had the best luck at Spa. Um, but one driver who I think had an amazing day was Alex Albon. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted to talk about him because it was his first race with Red Bull, and he starts on the back foot, right? He starts at the back of the grid because yeah, of engine went, penalties. Engine, yeah. Which was a, a good idea from Red Bull because which he, I believe neck for Italy, um, Max is going to be taking that penalty. I think so. That's what I've heard. Yeah, so. it's either that or they're maybe trying to do it a bit later in Russia or something because mm-hmm. they want the new engine introduced in uh, Japan mm-hmm. for their home race. Oh, okay. for yeah. Honda's home for race. For Honda's I guess. home race. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, he starts at the back of the grid. Really struggled on the medium tire in that first stint of the race. He didn't really make t- too much. He was kind of stuck in that midfield batter with the Hasses and the Renos. And then he pitted for the softs and just kind of flew through the rest of the yeah. field to finish P5. And I was telling you guys about this. It was on, first of all, he had the best overtakes of the day, I think. In oh, my opinion. for sure, yeah. But he was on the Kemmel straight, and I, I can't remember who he was overtaking. It might have been Ricardo. It might have been in that battle. But it's like 200 miles per hour, DRS wide open, one hand on a steering wheel, the other hand's ripping off a tear-off on his visor, and he just goes right back to overtaking the guy, pulls yeah. out behind him. It, it's crazy. I mean, if that, that was the same situation, and you know, not to crap on Pierre Gasly a little bit, but who had a good race. I was okay. I was going to say he actually had a very yeah, good race. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I had to mention him too. He was great. <laughs> but I don't think Gasly would have got that result. No. Uh, I would I, agree. I, I would agree. And Pierre, like I said, Pierre Gasly had an amazing race. He did rate. have a, a great race. But I think after I saw Alex Albon take over Daniel Ricciardo, I knew he had a handle on that car. Yeah, it's not easy to take over Daniel Ricciardo, and especially especially the way he did too. Yeah. So at no name. Yeah. Apparently, no, name, no name for that corner. <laughs> there is no name for that corner. <laughs> but that's a tough corner. Yeah. Yeah. He tried to go on the outside, 
earlier, which again, ballsy move. Yep. Couldn't get it done, but he didn't quit. And uh, yeah, like you said, to overtake Ricardo is a, is a pretty good achievement. And then his overtake on Perez on the final lap goes yeah. on the Where grass. Goes on, the grass. <laughs> on on the Kemmel Straight again, two hundred miles per hour, DRS open. I don't know how like, he kept the speed. Yeah, no that idea. was a speed and control. I mean, uh, you you look back to uh, to Montreal with Vettel going off track and hitting the hitting the grass, yeah. no control whatsoever. But yeah, I'll I guess he wasn't really easy. turning; he was just going yeah. straight. But I mean, so still. Well, he turned onto it and came back on. That's though, true. Right? Yeah, that's true. So he just made his own track. Yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> like, I need more room, so let me just go on the grass. It was yeah. a good battle of those two, uh, two great racers as well. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, Perez had a really good race until that, yeah. until the very end there, which is unfortunate. I was. But Imperezed by his <laughs> performance. You know, I mean, he didn't like his performance. No, I said I was imperezed. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know. Why I try to be funny on the show. <laughs> uh, but I'm he's here the all only, week. He's the only enough. driver, only driver that's signed on for uh, f- uh, Racing Point next year. So, now, now you're joking. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> he's also. I, s- I think the that's o- why I said in quotes. I think right. he's the only driver signed uh, in 2023 or 2022, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I think 2023. Years. Really? I think. He, well, uh, who else signed the three-year contract? A three-year contract's massive at F1. Yeah, so well, long. He's got money, right? So yep. that's why Racing Point signs him on, so but they can get that sponsorship. I think it's money. gonna be him and Stroll for the next. I do four too. years. I th- You're not gonna no, see a I driver agree. change I mean, there. Lance no. Stroll's there for life. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to. Well, unless he gets a Mercedes seat, then I'm sure. Yeah, unless oh, they. Oh yeah, that's true. Eh? Which I always thought would be. What It'd would be... happen in that case? Because obviously his dad, Lawrence Stroll, has put in so much money into Racing Point. Well, I think you got to continue. I think so. Yeah. Because then he can join it back after when he gets yeah, cut. Yeah, he can join it back <laughs> afterwards. Well, I mean, not you're not going to last more than five years at Mercedes. And if Lance Stroll wants to be the better driver, I think Mercedes would probably be a right move for him rather than just stay on daddy's team and hope for the best, you know? Yeah. Well, and let's also commend Lance Stroll for a good race. P16 yes. to he P10. Did, he, he, did he did have a very good Something. race. Um, I, I have an Astrex on everyone's on everyone below on P5 and below's position, though, because of what happened to Lando Norris. Because he drove such a fantastic race, it was a yeah. boring race for him, but a great race just to keep like for some reason no one could catch like he was just just slow enough to be not near the front runners, but just fast enough to be completely like See, blown away from the rest of the field. It's really weird. Um, I have a couple of things to say about this, but you can finish. <laughs> I was just gonna say P five. I mean, I still give him P five. I would give him P five. My complaint is. I have I didn't see Lando Norris all race. I saw him in the first three laps. But that's because of that he, reason. Yes, he was doing really well. But I want to get updates on Lando Norris if he's the only McLaren driver driving yeah, for that race. I guess. And two, sure he got driver of the day. Again, I didn't see him drive all race. Wait. I personally think the driver of the day should have gone to somebody else. I yeah, I agree. Outlawed, but. I, I agree, Alex Albor or, or Charles Leclerc. Well, Divi- or, yeah. Danny Kvyat, I would have been fine with too. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was that was th- th- those were my only complaints. I mean, he did fantastic. Like you said, he the fact that he stayed in that P five position, in between you know the race leaders and right right ahead of the midfield. It, good for him. He had an unbelievable drive, especially of uh, Carlos Sainz uh, going out in the second or third lap. First, he didn't make lap. the first corner. <laughs> <laughs> no, he made it just very slowly. Yeah, very slowly. <laughs> yes. He went around just for. <laughs> he did not crash on the first. Uh, he uh, did two parade laps. No, I think <laughs> like he like ended basically pretty much right at the the end of the first. Yeah, I think so first, too. Uh, first lap. Uh, but yeah, no, I felt for Lando Norris. Just you know, the second last lap for your for your car to fail. 
your engine to fail yeah. and then not yeah, get any tough. results whatsoever. He just he just had such a like a soft no <laughs> on team radio as well. But how did he word no. it? He was like, uh, the thing that's supposed to give me power isn't giving me power yeah. or something <laughs> like that. Okay. It was funny. Like even so when he got to the fish line, I fucking can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like even when he's not. Like he's serious in the car, panicking. He's um, still a meme. Yeah, dude, I can't. Still, I can't like, take I, him I, seriously. It's unbelievable. I <laughs> can't un- believe he's an F1 driver. I know this guy's an inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. I love Lando Norris. Oh, no, he's, he's slowly becoming my favorite driver he, on the grid. I think this year he has become one of my favorite drivers just because he's he's got such a good personality. When it comes to doing shittily on on the track, if he's doing really bad, he'll have a good humor about him. And when he's doing really well, he's got a g- good humor about him. Yeah. And, you know, to to bring that in as one of the youngest drivers on the track. Can I see what his tweet was for? So win win. Yeah. No, I agree. It's so different though because it's I mean like he is professional but oh, he's sure. got that silly side to him oh, that yeah. he always shows It's like it's like well it's like Daniel Ricardo you know he does have that serious side with yeah, him yeah. but he he is definitely more silly but I think Lando Norris has found the balance found the balance of both you know I'll uh, say this right now here's one team Lando Norris will never drive for Ferrari. No. Never. <laughs> Can you never. imagine him in a way, Ferrari? <laughs> way too serious for the team. Yeah. <laughs> that will be yeah. the wrong combination. For some reason, his if you go on Lando Norris's, Lando Norris's Twitter, it's his tweet is freshly caught salmon, packed up and ready for Monza. Then he said, "Thanks for your salmon of the day votes, by the way." I th- so I think the salmon is his car, but I don't know why. Because of the color. So I'm trying to, but it's it's orange. I have no idea what's people going on. Cur- <laughs> people would consider that salmon. Yeah, did know. you see the Carlos uh, science poster? Science, science poster. <laughs> Yo, good for that fan though. He got it Carlos signed by science. the entire yeah, McLaren that was team. Cool. It was really well done. Yeah, it was very his his Twitter's just it's phenomenal. Yeah, he's there, a fun guy. <laughs> I, There's I, also I, d- uh, I didn't get to finish the video, but it's a uh, uh, they interviewed a bunch of drivers for the Monza preview, and I think his thing was just like no no reporters need to worry now. Me and Carlos have figured out have gotten all the previews for the next one, and it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. I didn't get to finish the full video. I want to see all of it. it Look pretty funny. Uh, it's just basically them screwing around on camera. He t- he yeah, he did retweet it, so it is on his Twitter. Okay, I'll check it out. Um, another uh, since we're on the topic of Twitter, I know we're a little off topic, but uh, just one to follow is um, I think it's called. Uh, incorrect F1 quotes or something like oh, that. Oh, isn't it like uh, I, isn't it Ted Kravitz like a? Uh, yeah, no, I know it, what you it's mean. called yeah. incorrect F1 quotes at Grid Talks, and it's hilarious. It's literally just like the the thing is overheard in the paddock, probably not, but you get the gist of it. And it's just like funny conversations that could happen. Um, for example, um, the one with Ricardo and the seagull. Yeah, <laughs> no, this one. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually that's what I was talking about. So Lando, this is obviously this has, hasn't happened, but it's just the tweet is saying, Lando, when I told you you, uh, oh jeez, wow, when I told you to bring me back something from the Australian beach, I meant like a seashell or something. Daniel's struggling to hold down a seagull. Well, you didn't fucking say that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could probably just, see that actually happen just, between them though. Yeah, just silly things like silly little quotes and. Obviously, they're not real, but they're hilarious. You can picture them happening. Can we have yes. a fan vote to have Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris on the same team next year? I think it, I, I think it needs to happen. I th- yeah. 
Uh, or at some point. But him and Science are so good together. Yeah, they too. are really yeah, good Science together. Yeah, Science is really Science, funny Science, guy, Yeah, Science is a really funny, funny guy. But, yeah, no, I, I really want to see them on a team together. And I just want to hear – I don't even want to watch the race. I just want to <laughs> hear the team radio. But I don't want them to, like, have a like, confrontation as a teammate and it's not fun anymore. They won't. They'll just they, do it they, on Twitter. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. ah, okay. Anyways, completely awesome. <laughs> I don't even know where we were. But, Lando uh, Norris. Lando yes, Norris, P5. Good race. Unfortunate that the engine blew, yeah. but – I mean, you're driving a Renault. It's going to happen eventually, you know? It's true. <laughs> they have not been good this year. And no. Mercedes engines weren't good this this week as well. We saw no. uh, two blow-ups, I believe, with the new upgraded engines. Uh, Lance Stroll. Well, they blew won. up Kibitza so that they could repair Hamilton's car. That's had more time. I think that was planned They as just well. pushed the button. They're like, oh, we're not going to make it. Just hit, hit the button. I think that was planned <laughs> as well. It was way too... <laughs> Like that smoke that, was a little excessive. For that car to, to break down at that time. Yeah. There was a lot of smoke, with too. that happening to Lewis Hamilton. I don't know. It's conspiracy theories. Oh, for sure. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're like two massive blow-ups. So, I, I'm sure they were a little worried going to the race. And I don't know where their engine situation is headed to Monza. But, again, another power-heavy track that they're going to have to. Have they? Install, have they put in a new engine at all this year? Yeah, that yeah. was the new upgraded one. Yeah, that's, the that's, new. Oh, okay. That's failing, and they were so. still behind Ferrari quite a lot on the street. 20 kph, I believe. Yeah. 20 yeah. kilometers an hour. It's a lot. Um, so, yeah, they thought they were going to claw that back, but they really didn't. No, not at all. Their race pace was a lot better than Ferrari's, which Ferrari still has to address because they almost lost the race that way. Um, and, and before we, we get to that, um, just quick shout out. We talked about Pierre Gasly just a couple minutes ago, but I thought he had a great race in my he opinion. Did. Oh, I agree. He, he raced hard. And as I much think as that was his best race this year. Yeah, probably. Maybe. Except for Monaco, maybe. I think Monaco, Monaco he had his highest result well. at Red Bull. But yeah, I think, I think in terms of like race. pure like racing, I think he had one of them. That's probably one of his best races. I would agree. And as much as we talked about how Charles Leclerc was so good under the circumstances, also Pierre Gasly was very close with Antoine Hubert yes. as well. So Pierre Gasly was racing incredibly hard and really well. So uh, a shout out to Pierre Gasly the way he was able to, you know, put his car. Was he in the points? No, he wasn't in the points. Yeah. Was he? He was P ten. P ten. P nine, I think. Right. P nine, maybe. Here, let me pull it up P8, right now. I believe he was P. Kvyat was P seven. So. Oh. Because everybody moved up, right? Lance Stroll right. was tenth, and yeah, so Gasly I think was either eighth or ninth. Um, we'll just have Shaker confirm, but sorry, yeah, he was he was really good in my opinion. A lot uh, of good overtakes, stuff stuff that we really didn't see at Red Bull, but he went back to the Toro Rosso days, really. No, he did race well. Um, so I I mean hopefully that's a confidence booster for him going forward that he can build on that. Go to Monza, which is Toro Rosso's home yeah home Grand Prix. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll have their second or podium of the year. <laughs> um, yeah, double podium. Double no, <laughs> double podium for Toro Rosso. Yeah. Pierre Gasly was ninth. Ninth. Yeah. There Nico you go. Hulkenberg was eighth. So he got moved gotcha. up as well too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with all those, with Landon Norris um, and Giovinazzi crashing. Yes. Well, like I knew. Was, so when I I watched on tape delay, um, and I knew that the only thing you knew about the race is that Charles won. And that Racing Point had a double points finish. Oh. And, like, we're going to the last lap, and I'm like, Lance Stroll's 12th. What is happening in this race that, like, <laughs> he guessed like, something's going like, down? What's going to happen? And then I saw, like, the crash and land. I was like, oh my God. I was like, as if. Like, that's just crap. And I was, like, kind of hoping that, like, it because I figured that he would have to get bumped up two spots. So I figured there was a crash or something would happen. And I was, like, kind of hoping, like, I hope, like. Wait, what? 
Lewis and someone get together, and then Lana Norris gets a podium. Okay, <laughs> I'm kind of confused by this. Maybe this is just their website. But Lando Norris has a DNF, but he still placed in 11th place. Uh, How is that possible? I th- so he's classified, but he didn't finish the race. But he Yes. So he can be classified as if you finish a certain amount, but he can't. Like, not enough. So he crossed the line. But with one lap to go, yeah. Right, but then the leader crossed the line. So anyone finishing behind the leader, the race is over for us. Oh, so Lando's right. Ahead okay. Of yeah, so I, I think see. that's why he had to crawl over the line. Yeah. Oh, I see, I yeah, see. Whatever power he had left. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Okay, so I did not know that. That's yeah, something new I learned today. Fun fact of the day. Okay. There you go. Um, okay, so I think, uh, what else? We just talk about uh, Renault quickly, I just as, look, as I'm looking at the hat. Disappointing day, I think, for Renault. Again. They put Ricardo. I mean, obviously, Ricardo got contact in the first lap, and then they put him on this ridiculous one-stop strategy. I think of what he did, like 40-some-odd laps on, on the medium tire, which was not a smart decision at all. No, I mean, he was he was dead in the water at the end of the race. Yeah, so, I, I mean, mean... I think he told the team that, too. He was like, what? What is this? <laughs> yeah, and it was the same thing with Haas, too. They just kept getting overtaken and overtaken and overtaken. Yeah, the race pace. was hilarious. Oh, he was great. Hey, I cannot. We, I cannot. I cannot. I cannot. I cannot. We're losing 20 kph. He's I ready cannot. to go. <laughs> yeah, it was... He knows he's done. Uh, all right, so moving okay. on, I wanted to talk about the the race lead, the the battle for the lead, and and Ferrari. What what happened with Sebastian Vettel this weekend? It all looked like it was going to be a Ferrari one two, trying to equal Mercedes's record of one two finishes in F one, and kind of right from the get go, we we saw that he didn't have the pace. He got overtaken on the first lap. At first, I thought, okay, maybe he has a flat spot after he locked up, um, and that that was causing him the straight line deficit but as the race progressed it was just like it was just nothing something's not right there so yeah i don't know what's what happened with him because he has had a few good races in the last two three yeah um and then uh, this race kind of getting back onto his his post-summer break slump he usually gets on which is mm-hmm. very weird so not quite sure what was wrong with him but disappointing that he finished fourth it should have been Probably a 1-2 for Ferrari. Should have been. But if he didn't finish fourth, where do you think Charles would have ended up? Because Charles wouldn't have kept first place if Sebastian didn't do what he did for uh, Lewis Hamilton. Right. What do you mean? Well, depends. If if Vettel finishes second, then... Do you think Valtteri would have caught up more because of it, though? Would it, would it be another Mercedes 1-2 finish and then Charles Leclerc in third? No, I don't think so. Probably mm-hmm. would have been... Hamilton first, it been Leclerc second. Yeah, it could have been that as well. I don't know. I think it, I think it would have been the other way. You think it would have been? A I, th- d- I think Charles would have been. I think it would have been a Mercedes one-two finish if Sebastian didn't do what he did. Hmm. I think it's <laughs> I think Valtteri would have put him on a more of a run because he knew he could have gotten to second place. Right. Um, working with Hamilton, and I think it would have been a Mercedes one-two. But these are big set, big ifs. Obviously, that didn't happen. Yeah, obviously, Seb played a good part in, yeah. in helping Charles by holding Hamilton back a little bit there by. Um, maybe a half a lap. I think if he didn't, if he stopped maybe two or three laps beforehand, I don't. I think Charles would have gotten gotten second for sure. How funny was it seeing Vettel play the Kimi Räikkönen role? Yeah, he did play the Räikkönen. He did play role the Kimi Räikkönen role. What, uh, maybe the first time in years. Yeah. Like I, I mean, 
he's played it a few times this year, but I think this time is the only time he didn't really have a choice. But it was I, I just felt that the strategy almost from the start was that Vettel was going to be the block between Leclerc and Mercedes. Like there wasn't one point even in but the beginning of the strategy where Vettel came out ahead, it didn't really look like that strategy was going to be the one to win him the race. Yeah. It all just seemed like it was being played out for Leclerc, yeah, which is yeah. what happened with Kimi and Sebastian for the last couple of years. Well, I think a few laps in, they probably realized Vettel, nothing was getting better for Vettel at that point, and they were just kind of just let Charles go You ahead. also have two different strategies, right? You split, run and split strategy and see what works. And in this case, it was Charles that worked. But if it would have been the opposite, where Seb's strategy was unbelievable and you know keeping Charles out was not a good idea, let's say, if roles were reversed, then... You know, you have Seb. We're talking about Seb winning this race. Yeah. So you do have those split strategies that that get taken into account. I just don't think Vettel ever had the pace to contend for the race win. I think it's just, again, it's the underlying problem with him struggling with this car. This version of the Ferrari car in 2019 suits Charles Leclerc, and it doesn't suit Sebastian Vettel. I mean, it's not like Sebastian Vettel's forgotten how to win races. No. I mean, it was just last year. He won multiple races, got pole positions. It's just that this car hasn't been designed well enough for his style and for Leclerc he's able to get over it a lot easier um, w- which brings me to my next question and a lot of people were asking this online is Leclerc now the number one driver at Ferrari no you don't no. think so no. no not I'm not talking forever for the next <coughs> couple of years like right now at this point in the season no no hmm, interesting I, I think, would disagree I think it's still it's a, a call time world champion yeah. man. And right now, I'm pretty sure Vettel's still ahead, isn't he, in terms of points? I think he's still ahead in the standings. So I think they're close enough that Ferrari's going to try to get them, uh, try to see whoever's ahead and try to get them the first place points. I don't think they've chosen a, a number one driver for their team this year. I would say that you have to, at this point, designate somebody as your number one. And right now, Leclerc has delivered the results where Vettel hasn't. And when you look at the pole positions, it's three to one. Race wins, it's one to zero. Um, obviously, you could argue again the whole Canada thing. That's always uh, one one. Uh, yeah, one one, right? One. <laughs> but we won't go down that road again. But I think that the way that this car has been set up for Ferrari in 2019, Charles Leclerc is their best option to get them race victories, to get them the most amount of points. That's not to say I think Vettel can still win races this season and he can still contribute to the team, but. The last six, seven races or so, I've just seen Charles Leclerc been able to produce more than Sebastian Vettel because, again, I look at this race and I say, that should have been a 1-2 for Ferrari. Had it been Mercedes, that would have been a 1-2. They always guarantee their 1-2s, whereas with Ferrari, it always seems like a problem. Even though they did get the strategy right, surprisingly, I don't know how they managed to do that. First time this year? (laughs) First time last couple (laughs) years, right? (laughs) But I think Leclerc has done enough to prove that Hey, like I, I've got a race win. Sebastian Vettel doesn't. Now, not disrespecting his that he's a four-time world champion. We're not just going to kick him to the curb. But right now, I think that Leclerc is their best chance of winning races and fighting Mercedes. That that's just my opinion. Uh, I don't know. I think it's it's one of those options that Sebastian Vettel, man, he can he can turn it on when he wants. So I think that. Once you know, once he gets a grip, you're gonna have to see Sebastian Vettel once again. That's gonna be one of the dominant figures, one of the one that's you know challenging for a world championship. I hope so, and we'll get more into it in our Monza preview. But look at qualifying as well, though. Too, you know, Vettel had to wait. He wanted the slipstream in in traffic. 
Leclerc just said, get me out on the track. I've got enough pace on my own to get pole. And he finished, what, seven-tenths ahead of Sebastian Vettel? That's a little bit of a concern, right? So that's when I look at these things and I say, if Ferrari want to win more races this season, they have to designate their strategies more to Charles Leclerc because he's getting the most out of this car. I'm not saying he's a better driver. Sebastian Vettel, to me, is still the better driver than Charles Leclerc. I mean, that's that's an obvious. And I think if we were in 2018's car, I think Vettel would have a, a pretty decent advantage over Leclerc. But I think that the way the situation is now, he's done enough to prove that he is the number one at Ferrari and that going forward in the rest of the year, he should be get the favored strategy like he did in this race. Fair enough. Okay, fair, point. fair point. Fair point. And that coming from me, who Vettel is my favorite driver. So That's true. But I have to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he agrees. Vettel he agrees. <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, good for him, though, for, for Sebastian Vettel to be able to play that second driver role this weekend and essentially get Charles Leclerc his first win. He was a yeah. big part of that, like you said. So I was impressed. Um, so, yeah, before we go, we wanted to just touch on Charles Leclerc and it kind of all ties into what we were talking about at the top of the show. Obviously, we know Charles was close with Antoine Hubert, but not just Antoine. I mean, when we look at what this guy's been through, it, 21 years old, he lost his father two years ago, went on to win that F2 race in Baku, lost his godfather in 2015. Obviously, we know Jules Bianchi. And now this this happens again. And you got to ask yourself, how much can I mean? He's a he's not a kid, but he's a young man. He's only twenty one years old. But he's very mature. Like I mean, just the way he handled the whole weekend and kept his emotions in check, and I mean, through the media and everything, it was like this is a this is a veteran inside of a young man's body, just mentally. Um, he's just so good at bringing his his himself into his own, and and you know, trying to bring the out like you know keep the outside out and yeah, keep yeah. his focus inside and uh, I think it's just the way he handled everything was world class and what every young aspiring athlete should look up to in terms of having a, a mental game toward where you are in your career I don't know how he does it and just on a week-to-week -week basis he gets a ton of media attention yeah, yeah, you does. look on the grid how many photographers and cameramen are just in his face and like I said for a 21 year old to be able to handle all that and He's always calm. He doesn't push people away. And even after going through all this, he steps into the car and then delivers a what was probably one of his best drives of the season yeah. to, to get his first win. So I don't know how he does it. And he's a future world champion and a multiple-time race winner in the making, that's for sure. But I think we, we got to give a lot of credit to Charles Leclerc and whoever that molded him to be the, the man that he is today, whether that was his parents or other other influences, was pretty incredible. Because, I mean, if, if he can go through all this and still perform at this level, I mean, he's almost indestructible, it seems like. Yeah, it's impressive. And I think it's going to be something that F1 fans will be very lucky to watch down uh, for years to come is, is his growth in the sport and you know, what will kind of fruition as a rivalry between him and Max and, and whoever comes up to challenge those guys as well. I mean, we have, we have talk about him and Max, but, of course, there's lots of young, talented drivers that are coming up throughout the grid in F2 and uh, F3 and in the, the small parts of F1 as well. So future is bright in F1, and yeah. we're going to have to just be uh, taking it all in and, and enjoying the performances that we have and seeing these, these young drivers grow into world champions down the line. 
Yeah, I think he earned a lot of new fans uh, this weekend for yeah. sure with uh, with his performance. So hopefully all the drivers uh, will be you know recovered and ready to go for for ne this weekend in Monza. Quick turnaround, another back to back. Yeah, very quick turnaround, and also F two returning uh, in Monza as well. So um, you know, very interesting to see how how that races, how yeah. those races will play out, and how the drivers will deal with all that because. In a way, it's almost a bit harder to to deal with it a week later because all the adrenaline has worn off, yeah. Yeah. and you've had some time to think about it. So uh, definitely, everybody's still kind of in this period of mourning for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I think that we just wanted to dedicate this episode to Antoine Hubert and not just him, but also all the other drivers that have lost their lives doing what they love and pursuing their dreams. And we're running the racing for Antoine. Uh, logo or, or sticker uh, on our channel for the rest of the year. I thought that was a really nice touch from all the teams. Yep. Yeah. Uh, awesome. We were saying amazing how quickly they were able to turn around all those stickers, and they were on a lot of cars Our, and helmets. I hope whoever that sticker shot was in Belgium, I hope they asked for a premium for that. Yeah. That I'm, was a big turnaround. That was impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was on. Good it was for everywhere. them. Good for them. You know, obviously, uh, it's a big. It's a big one to support. So. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, it was nice, nice touch from all the drivers and all all the cars to to run that, and um, of course, uh, Charles had a special kind of logo on his car and mm -hmm. his his by the back of his steering wheel for the camera. So, um, yeah, it, very nice, and of course, we're honored to to put that sticker on our on our YouTube yeah. banner for the rest of the season and uh, remember the tragic life of, of Antoine, whose career was and life was cut way too short to a driver that you know definitely had f1 aspirations well, yeah almost like half the driver's race with him you know, yeah you know, so yeah for sure yeah but his memory will live on and and we'll try to do our best to always remember him and, and the others as well and one of the best ways is like all the drivers said just to keep on racing yeah, yeah. and uh so that's what they did and that's what we do as well so yeah. that's gonna be a special one for Cheryl for sure and he's gonna be holding on to, to that one for a yeah. while too so yeah absolutely it's one that he won't forget for for multiple reasons mm -hmm. um but we'd like to thank all of you for listening uh to this episode of our podcast recapping the belgian grand prix let us know your thoughts uh down below of the race of the incidents that we talked about and uh anything else that was on your mind from from the belgian grand prix we'd love to hear from you and yeah, like you said, Tyler, quick turnaround. So we got the Italian Grand Prix preview dropping in the next couple of days, as long as our power rankings uh, post Belgian Grand Prix. Yes. Yeah. Lots of videos. All right. Are we good? <laughs> yep. We're good. Okay. Thanks again, everybody. And uh, see you in a couple of days' time.